Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. We are live in Vegas at the Reawaken America Tour. I am here today with Ryan Matta. How are you doing? Doing good, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So you've been covering some interesting, he was just telling me a little bit before we started about what's going on at the border. We've been down to Texas doing some investigation and it's pretty horrifying. So tell us how you got involved in this and what it is you're discovering. So it started off, I, uh, I do my show every day on LFA TV. It's called Meta. In fact, we go live at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Rumble. And I also produce the Kyle Serafin podcast. So if you guys know Kyle Serafin, he's the FBI whistleblower who came out to speak out about the uh, FBI targeting Catholics and the you know abuse of the vaccines and every, all the things wrong that our FBI is doing. So he's a really great guy. Follow Kyle Serafin. Um, because he's a whistleblower, he now has this gift of like attracting whistleblowers to him. Like right. they want, we want to become whistleblowers. It's like, okay, where do we go? We're going to go to Kyle. Like they don't even want to go to Congress anymore. They don't trust the Congress. They don't trust the FBI. I, like, I've heard that from several whistleblowers. And they're like, do not come to me. I do yeah. not want any more whistleblowers coming to me. You know, it's crazy. So Kyle met up with this guy named Carlos and we had an interview. And during the interview, I'm listening to this guy and he's explaining how our government is trafficking children and not just trafficking them, but how they're storing these children in these, what are called, what I would like to call child concentration camps. They are facilities, Walmart specifically buildings or ex Walmart buildings are abandoned or looted to bankrupt Walmarts, right? These mar these Walmarts that are getting turned over into camps for children. So they, they basically gut out the Walmart, they put up fake walls, and they separate them in cells, cafeterias, soccer fields inside the Walmarts, playgrounds outside, but then the Walmart gets fenced in. Do, and it's, do these Walmarts know? So we, we haven't, we're, we're still just breaking the story. So we're not sure if Walmart is, you know, basically incentivized to let the building or the business go bankrupt so that they can still own the property and then lease the property to these NGOs. We're not sure if they're actually selling the property to the NGOs, right. Well, most likely they're probably leasing it. So we're gonna find that out. And if anybody wants to look into it, these NGOs are, one of them's called Southwest Key Programs. Another one's called NBM Inc. Those are two of the biggest. And if you wanna look into them and see the property that they own or where their businesses are and then who owns those buildings, we need so many more people to get involved in this. But as the child comes across the border, these unaccompanied minors, or even if they come over with a parent, they're technically supposed to be separated. Right. so that we can verify under Trump, the children were getting separated because they had to make sure that when a child comes over and there's an adult walking him across the border with his hands gripped on his neck going, this is my kid, the kid's probably gonna say, yeah, that's my dad, right? But we need to separate them, we need to DNA test them to make sure that this kid didn't get kidnapped and he's getting smuggled in to be trafficked into this country. 
So obviously in the last couple of months, they've now removed that. So they're no longer DNA testing these kids and they're just shuttling them off. So when they come across the border on a company, they go into these uh, border patrol processes them and then they go into one of these camps. And then from the camps, they just get moved around from camp to camp to camp until they can find a parent or a relative or somebody that can actually, they call it reunify, until they can reunify the kid with the adult. But in the meantime, when they're in these camps, our government is paying the NGOs $600 per day per child. From where I landed in, in Arlington, Texas, within 15 minutes of my airport or in my hotel, there was five of these camps. The biggest one was 2,000, another one was 1,000, another one was 600, another one was 400, another one was 100. So just let's just do the 2,000 one, for example, $600 per day per child, that's 1.2 million a day. It comes out to over $30 million a month just that one NGO is making. And think of these camps, these quarantine camps like a hotel. You go to the hotel and you want your laundry done, you gotta pay extra. So the contracts that our government is giving these NGOs is just to house them, not to school them, not to clothe them, not to uh, feed them. Those are all extras on top of these contracts. So when we talk about our, how our government's funneling money, now they're laundering money into these NGOs that end up funneling it back into their campaigns. I mean, this is, it's so unbelievable. It's get, and it's getting funneled back into campaigns. So this is how, uh, I just want to paint the picture for the audience. So this is how these uh, politicians who are getting selected, I, I believe it's much installed. more selected. They're getting installed. And this is how the strings are being pulled is through this funding apparatus. Yeah, so think about this, right? In, uh, let's just say your hometown, for example, it's a, let's say we've been in your home city. How does a Walmart go out of business and then a company acquire a license to operate in this facility, what permits do they need to get the construction done to renovate it? So they're actually getting approved on permits. They're serving food to children. So is OSHA, is, that, is the FDA getting involved? Are these places certified by OSHA? What local politicians do they have to pay off? When a cops, when, when two kids get in a fight and one kid breaks his arm, and they actually have to call 911 and an ambulance shows up, how are you paying the ambulance driver to not call 911 and say there's 2,000 kids in this place? You can't go in there, the kids can't leave. There's parents calling saying, my kid's been supposed to be in this facility for five months, I can't get them. Where the hell is my kid at? There's kids getting out of there, saying that they the last time that they've seen their sister was like four months ago. So imagine this, you're coming across the Mexico border, you've been tra traveling from Africa with your, your, uh, your mom, a brother and a sister. The mom gets caught up in Mexico somewhere, she gets raped, killed, or, or trafficked into the red light district so that she can pay the premium for her children to make it here safe. They then, after they take the mom, they obviously rape and rape both children. So then the brother and sister come here, 12 and nine years old. They've both been raped and molested on the way here. Their mother's been sold into trafficking. And then now you're gonna go and you're gonna separate that brother and sister. Brother's coming up to Carlos saying, Carlos, I haven't seen my sister in four months. Last time I seen her was in this facility in Texas. Can you tell me where she's at? When, will I, when am I gonna see my sister again? And this all boils back down to the destruction of the United States starts and stops at the border. Every time our border's ever been shut down, it's been shut down because of the humanitarian crisis, because of the children. So the idea is our government has to keep these children hidden, keep these children moving. You want a child, you can probably go buy one for $16,000. As long as you haven't been charged with sexually molesting a child, you could be a complete weirdo, pedophile, creep. You can probably buy a child right now for $16,000. Wow. And you want one that's Indian, Asian, Hispanic, you pick your race, you could probably get delivered to your house. Unbelievable. So. You, you described this really horrific scene, scenario, where they're being taken and molested and raped, and it's through the mom and the children. And what 
Not that I doubt that this is happening, but how do we know that that's what's occurring? That's, these are the accounts, these are what the migrants are telling us as they're coming over. So they're actually so the, Yeah, when these migrants show up, this is what they've been put through. I'm not saying that's what our government is doing to them. I'm saying that's what's being done to them before they get to the United States. Because they're, I mean, they're, they're, some of these people are going on five-month journeys from where they leave, going through jungles, across rivers, down back ends, in and out of other countries, and then finally get to a place where they can get flown into Mexico. And then they land at hidden airfields in Mexico, and then they get trafficked up through Mexico and dropped off at our border. Wow. And so we don't know exactly who's doing this. We just know that it's happening nope. before they get to uh, So Ben Burkwam's doing a lot of really good work. Um, same with Muckrakers, Michael Von Jungle and Vandersteel. Um, they're the ones who I actually brought this story to and they're the ones who started blowing it up. They, last week they've been on InfoWars, they've been on Alex Jones, they've been Owen Schroyer, they've been on our show on LFA TV. They've been making the rounds and really blowing this up and, and hers is on, her show's on Brady on Network. So um, when I was down there, I reached out to Michael Von Jungle because he's one of the most famous war correspondents of all time. Like when you got a serious story, this is the guy who can bring in helicopters and have helicopters flying over facilities. So I end up linking up with them um, and they're going up to the higher politicians and that's what really is gonna have to stop this. Some big politicians are gonna have to get involved, but at the same time, those politicians are allowing being, it to happen. Well, it sounds like they're being paid off to let it happen. 100%. Abbott, is, Abbott could shut it down right now in Texas if he wanted. Because once you expose those camps, the humanitarian crisis at the border gets so so catastrophic that they can't, they won't keep it open. Is there any way that each of these politicians or, you know, I, I'm thinking really the politicians especially, could be exposed as having a hand in this and being bribed or being... I can't imagine this is happening in Texas and what Greg Abbott's doing because he was just, he was just holding a press conference like one town over from where I was at with these camps. These camps have been operating for five years. I mean, there's horror stories, wrote articles, even by like CBS and MSNBC, when Trump was still in office and they were trying to make these camps look bad. Right. Like they were on full on attack at them. And now that Biden's in office and these camps are actually bad, now the mainstream media is trying to cover it up, right? So if you, and you can just go on to Google and you can read the reviews. So go on to Southwest Key Programs, uh, CASA, Norma Linda, so that's C-A-S-A-N-O-R-M-A, so Norma, and then L-I-N-D-A. You might have to space that out, should pop up. And there should be like 126 reviews on one. Just read those reviews. And these are children, parents, these are employees. It's like a, a crime report from the last five years. And you can go on to any of them. And uh, we're working on getting more whistleblowers. So if you know anybody that works at these facilities, if you work there, yeah. If you have friends or children that were in there and they want to tell their story, please reach out. Again, Ryan Matta Media on Twitter. It's yeah. really a developing story and we need more people to get involved. Absolutely. And again, like I, so I interviewed Carlos for like almost like two weeks before I went down there. I heard his story. And then until I got down there and I seen him in person, you're like, wait, what? Like, what's going on? Yeah. What? Well, I'm just thinking because if these politicians could be exposed, then maybe, I mean, even if there is some sort of a, uh, you know, I mean, I think the process is obviously super corrupt, but at least then the constituents could put some sort of pressure. Right. I think right? you're, I think you're hundred percent right. I think people in Texas need to start getting involved and <clears throat> I would like to get involved with multiple bigger networks. So if any other bigger networks are interested in getting involved, it doesn't have to be an LFAT thing or a Breitbart thing or a, or a MSNBC or RAP. 
Let's all go together. Yeah. And let's get a group of thousand people out there and make these stories go viral. Because once they go viral and all of America sees what's going on, maybe we get enough momentum. But you look at, we're so divided with Trump. We're so divided with uh, DeSantis. And then now you got the Hawaii fires. And then before that, it was the Ohio train disaster. Our government, I tell everybody. And all the division, yeah. If you don't wake up every day with the mindset that my government is actively trying to kill me, I think you're a sheep. I think you have not... You're, you're not awake. You need to keep doing more research because it's terrifying when you get to that mindset. But this is the greatest country in the world and it's worth saving. And I ask all your, your people as well, but I ask you the question, what are three things that you would die for? Three things I would die for? Yeah. You're willing to die and take a stand right here, right now. Off the top of your head, what were three things that you're willing to die for? Uh, uh, my, like my family, my loved Family's ones. Yeah. One? Yeah. Okay. What else? Um, I put like my loved ones in that, you know. Uh, so people um, think, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, I can't think of specifically, but it's like injustice is really. So the, the yeah. top three are normally family, God, and country. Right. Okay, so those are normally the three things that everybody's willing to die for. So I ask you, um, your family, do you feel like this government is attacking your family right now? Yeah. Children, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like this government is attacking your religion? Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like this government is ta- attacking your country? Right? Yeah, like for right sure, open, right? yeah. So those three things are the same three things that most people watching this yeah. probably said that they were willing to die for. Mm-hmm. You're willing to die for those things? What are you doing sitting there doing Well, that? our founders died for those things. And I would say, really, they, they all kind of encompass freedom, right? It's really about free will. And that absolutely, they knew even if their lives were at risk and they knew even if their children, they talked about this, that uh, there are several accounts where, you know, they threatened to, and to kill their, not only kill their children, but torture in front of them. And they still continued to fight because they knew that the hope for posterity would be non-existent if there wasn't freedom. And that that was worth more than their personal suffering or even that of their offspring, which, pretty hard to imagine. I think we're so, in so many ways, we're so spoiled and so sheltered today, especially in this country. Um, And especially, you know, I mean, if you're fortunate enough to be in in an environment like this, you're probably a pretty blessed person. And we're so far removed from so many of the real horrors of true oppression. Um, And I think that we don't, we often forget that they were willing to have their entire, these were people who had everything. I mean, the wealthiest of the wealthy, the, you know, they were really the the elite, you know, and they were willing to risk it all and even watch their own children be tortured um, or possibly killed because they knew that the free will of humanity was at stake. I agree more. How many brave men stood up back then? Very few in the big picture. And those few men, those few brave men led led a revolution. Now, times are a lot different, you know where your government can press one button and yeah. create an earthquake. And we have things like Hawaii burning down when yeah. our government and NASA have rain generating machines. We have the ability to put flares and see the sky and create a thunderstorm within a matter of like 30 minutes. So if you can spin up a cloud that can make it or rain and you have you know, wildfires raging, why are you not spinning up clouds and making it rain? You obviously don't want to save those people. Right. The government. Why are they help- turning off the water? What what's caused the fire? Water, and they have never done that. Yeah. Or yeah. 
<laughs> so I say, you have to wake up every day with the mindset that your government is trying to pull you. And as sad as that sounds, as maybe deep platform you're gonna get for hearing me say that, that is my honest opinion. This is America, and I shouldn't have to be afraid to say that. I should be able to right, say these things because it's my opinion, and we believe in free speech, and we believe in the Constitution. If yeah. we ever give an inch to these people, they're gonna take five miles. And we've seen it with every time we give the left an inch, they literally take 10 miles and then yeah. they try to shoot you, right? Yeah, um, no, it's Thanks for those 10 miles, right? Right, right. What? Yeah. Well, uh, we're negotiating here. You're like, it's no. like a game of tug of war. You know, they pull an inch and yeah. we hold the line. So I hate that term, holding the line. Yeah. If you hold the line when you're in a game of tug of war, before you know it, you're 10 miles down the road. You're like, how did we get here? 100%. So, yeah, we, we have to do more than hold the line. We, need, we really need to push back. So what, what would you say right now are the top issues that you think are, that America's facing? Oh, that's, that's a really hard one. I think that they're facing so many, um, but I, what I tell people to find, if you're talking about like specific causes, I tell people to find that thing that they're passionate about because they're gonna be incentivized to get really involved, really engaged, and they'll be really curious. So, but there are so many issues, but I think for me, the biggest thing, and it kind of encompasses all of them, is really, I think that our free will is at stake. I think that there, it really is a color re revolution and they're, you know, they're trying to strip away at all of our freedoms that are not, they're not privileges, they're not rights. The whole purpose of the constitution is to protect our inalienable rights. Yeah, that were God-given, right. yes, God-given rights. So I, I think that that's, but I do think that you know, like where you're talking about the trafficking is a huge, huge problem. Um, I do one of the topics I cover, my audience is probably pretty familiar with, super dark, but I cover a lot of uh, MK Ultra or satanic ritual abuse survivors. And the reason I cover that is because of course we wanna, you know, expose what's happening and provide some awareness so that we can give the victims help. But we also want people to understand that nobody's impervious. You know, this is an underbelly that is affecting everybody because of exactly what you outlined, this whole corrupt network that is a funding mechanism. Um, and it's also a blackmail mechanism, blackmail and uh, bribery. So I think there are very few politicians in office today that are not compromised in one way, shape or another. They're arrogant, they're cocky. They think they're God's gift to earth. Yeah. And the Chinese Communist Party is, I mean, they are the best in the world at, at espionage and at, at counterintelligence to the point where you speak with people that are whistleblowers coming out of China and they have the ability to basically pull a van up in front of your house and within basically a few minutes, they can access every single device in your house. They can break through your firewalls, they can get into your phone, they can get into your kid's phone. So they, it's not a, it's not a matter of if they can compromise a politician, it's a matter of when. Whether they literally plant child porn on your child's phone and then they pay off a local police officer to pull them over and then they bust them with it and then they call mom and dad and then they get you off scot-free. So now you owe them, right? Like there are levels of compromising people or they know when you got in a fight with your wife and you're out at the bar by yourself and all of a sudden this magic pretty girl comes up and starts talking to you and you sleep with her and she films it and she claims she's 17 and then they use that to blackmail you. Like they call it like the three F's plan, ferment, chaos, ferment, weak set, with, um, Ferment chaos, ferment weakness, and ferment, I forget the other one, they call it the three apps plan. And that's how the Chinese Communist Party is basically corrupting our politics. Look at somebody like MDG, right? She came out, she was a bull in a China shop. She was awesome back in the day. And then all of a sudden now she's telling people to not show up to protest at Trump's indictment. She's bending over with McCarthy on these dead deals. She's not turning over the J6 tapes. 
mouth alive, right? I mean, how else? I didn't know what else to, to make of that. Yeah. These people don't work for us, and until enough people realize that the only way this ends is us, is <laughs> yeah. us forcibly removing these people. And I'm not talking about physically forced. I'm talking about, like, we're not going to get off the sidewalk with this peaceful protest until yeah. you remove yourself from office. Yeah. We're not going to allow BlackRock to continue to buy up all the property so that our kids can never afford to own anything. Right? We need to bankrupt BlackRock. We need to bankrupt Vanguard. We need to take back the free press. Yeah. And then allowing corporations to get on the board of directors, I think is probably one of the biggest problems where Chinese nationalists, foreign nationalists can buy enough stock in Bud Light and then force Bud Light to put a, because they bought, bought their way into the board of directors. Right. They can now have controlling uh, ownership of that company and they, they can force, right? So the CEO or the board of directors picks the manager, the manager picks the reporter, right? Or the manager picks the, the media liaison. You, you see what I'm saying? So like when they can, when Chinese act like nationalists can destroy one of the biggest iconic legacy brands in America, which destroys our lineage, which destroys our history. Bud Light was so iconic. You would see people with Budweiser tattoos on their foreheads. Sure. Right? Like it was so, it, it represented so much of America and what our values stood for. Yeah. It's like a Harley Davidson tattoo. And then you see brands like that, which doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's really true. A lot of people don't think about that. How the foreign entanglement happens through a board of directors that has a, a foreign entity that can have tremendous power over our, not just our company, but our culture, our economy. Yeah. Why do politicians need to be allowed to make investments? Do you want to serve this country or do you want to make yourself rich? Because you should not be doing both the same. Should you be wealthy enough that you can take four years off serve this country, make it better, make a name for yourself, right. and then retire after you've served your four or your term, right? We need term limits. We need to remove lobbyists. We need to remove super PACs. We need to remove all donations out over 500 bucks to, from anybody. I shouldn't be able to go to a super PAC and donate $2 billion ever, right? right? Because we're learning how corrupt these systems are. So like, we obviously need to take our country back, but if we can't, then we, then we have a revolution. And, and after that revolution, we we know how great the Constitution is. We know what failed us originally. Right. And we have to die fighting for this country right. before we give, give up the Constitution because without it, we have nothing. I, I, I very much agree with the love of the Constitution. I think it's a, a great document that needs to be restored. Um, I'm not a fan of revolutions in general. I, I think that nothing really comes from revolution. Revolution tends to just perpetuate you know, their end goals. That's, uh, you know, that's uh, ultimately like that's what Marx was was telling everyone to do, was to create revolution. That's what Fabian Socialists wanted, revolution. Yep. So um, while well, I'm let, grateful that our founders, you know, well, fought. Let but, me say, when I say revolution, I mean change, not uh, civil war. Yeah. So when I'm saying revolution, I need, we need a massive movement of people to wake up so fast that we can change I love and that. make change happen. Yeah. Especially Great awakening. Peaceful way. Yeah, peaceful way, yes. Yeah, it's great awakening. I think and, that's great. Uh, yeah. Our children's future depends on it. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, what, what do you see for the future? Do you feel hopeful? Do you feel... So are you a fan of Q? Q? Not? I, I'm not a huge fan of Q. I've never, I've never went down the rabbit hole. Uh, okay. But the... 
the Q narrative is that. It reminds me a lot of the uh, Operation Trust in 1921 that was created in order to placate uh, the opposition so that they didn't rise up after yeah. the Bolshevik Revolution. Yeah, so trust the plan, right? right. Everybody's trusting the plan, they do nothing. Yeah. But by the time they realize it's too late, it's too late. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, um, you look at it from an outside perspective where you're seeing like Trump going every time he gets off a plane, the local police department's there. He's meeting the police department. He's meeting the military. I mean, these people love Trump. Is there something bigger in store? Did we need to get to a point where enough of this country could see what's going on? Where everybody's basically begging for Trump to come back. Um, I want the hopeful part of me wants to say, yeah, like there's enough Navy SEALs out there that are retired, that are still Navy SEALs. Right, right, yeah. And they love Trump. And there's probably tens of thousands of them. Trump started Space Force. There's good people all over this country. We, we have now taken back the legacy media. CNN and Fox News are getting 400,000 views and Tucker's getting 200 million. It's not even like a drop in the bucket. Right. So the legacy media is dead. Their ability to manipulate a, a narrative and lie to us is dead. We are at a point where if somebody were to step in and let's say at a state of the union, when you have 400 politicians in the State of the Union, all in the same place, guarded by what? DC police. Right. If Navy SEALs showed up, said, you know, US Army, Navy SEALs, drop your weapons and had red dots and scopes on them, they could take out all the guards, come in there, arrest every single politician and prosecute them all. And then from there, go to the, the local courts and start taking these judges out. And in one day, we could probably, probably clean up this country. What, what do you think the chances of that happening are? Less than less than 1%. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you think the chances of saving this country without that happen are? I think there's a chance. I think we can, a lot of it is an information war, a psychological war. Uh, and I mean, my hope is really that we could fight the war of ideas. And I, I think that there is a potential to infiltrate through the culture the same way they did um, and to resist that way. You know, if you think about the past few years where I know they're talking now about bringing back the lockdown, bringing back the math, so much of what they achieve and what they accomplish is through these terror campaigns. Yeah. You know, it literally is trauma-based mind control. And they beta test and then they refine it. And I think that if there's enough of a awakening, and it really doesn't even have to be this like, I would like it to be, but it doesn't have to be, you know, the majority of people. It just needs to be enough people that are willing to stand up and take personal sovereignty, you know, and take ownership of their their own sovereignty, their family, and their local communities. And I think through that, you know, I think people really underestimate the power of that. It's how they have gotten as much accomplished as they have. So why couldn't the reverse war? I think it's good. I think you're right. Yeah. So. And that's without firing a shot. So that that's my hope. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I hope yeah. it, I hope it worked out. I really hope there's <laughs> enough people willing to wake up and uh, yeah. and get involved because it's it's fight or flight time. There's no longer you don't have the luxury of sitting on the sidelines and being yeah. patient. And, well, it, especially with the children at right, stake, right. and they're coming after the children from every angle with what you're exploring, what they're teaching them in school, uh, with what they're. You said how the government wants to kill you. Um, they definitely don't love you. I think that's a good rule of thumb. But if we look back in history, a lot of the policies were predicated on eugenics. You know, they had positive eugenics, negative eugenics. Uh, so it's literally a depopulation agenda. 
And I think that, you know, if you keep that in mind, maybe you'll be a little bit more skeptical when they tell you something's good for you. Yeah. Yeah, having that mindset doesn't ever hurt you. Yeah. Right? It makes you just more aware. It's like you got, you still have to wake up, you still have to go to work, you still have to do your job, you still have to live life. But yeah. just in the back of your head, you should know that there's a high probability that what you're eating in that McDonald's food hasn't yeah. been approved from the FDA because it's good for you. It's been approved because whoever worked at the FDA was paid off by whatever Pfizer lobbyist allows them to put GMOs in your McDonald's, you know? Right, right. And when all these other countries are banning the GMOs and yep. we're ramping them up, yeah, that's a pretty good, a good, good thing to pay attention to. Yeah. So let's end it on a good note. Yeah. All right. So tell us, what, what, what do we have to look forward to? What do we have to look forward to? I want you to tell me, what are you looking for? You want me to get in on a good note? Uh, well, I think the fact that so many people are waking up is really, really positive. Uh, you know, my, my fiance was way more awake than I was, you know, for a lot longer. I, I always say that it took a really long time for me to find the train station, and now I'm at Thousand High Speed Rail, and I'm trying to catch up. So I really woke up in 2020, and uh, thank you. But he always talks about how, you know, three years ago, half the conversations that people are having just on the street, just, you know, very commonplace conversations would never have happened four years ago. And I think that's a huge testament to people waking up, you know, the curiosity of people, like you were talking about how the government wants to kill you. Well, if you have that mindset, it won't hurt you. I think at the very least, if you have that mindset, maybe it'll encourage people, you know, as an invitation to start doing their own research, take personal responsibility, and I'm seeing that with all the parallel systems that are cropping up. A lot of people are really engaged in taking some ownership because we've abdicated our responsibilities for so long. Yes. And, you know, we've, we've traded the comforts um, really for our lives. And uh, I think we're seeing a lot more people who are willing to be a little more uncomfortable by facing the possibilities of what they don't want to see, uh, doing their own research, and in trying to take some sort of uh, preservation methods, whether that be prepping or whether that be homeschooling or, uh, you know, making dietary changes, right? Oh. You know, but just that people are taking some sort of ownership and personal responsibility, I, I think is a huge sign for the future. So. I agree, I agree. And the fact that more, the fact that we're still having these conversations, we're on Rumble, we still got Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. When we lose free speech is when you really need to be a replay. So right now we still have the ability to speak out. We still have the ability to, uh, I guess, contest our government. And as long as we still have hope, there is still hope, right? Yeah. As long as we're still able to fight back, we still have hope. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a great note that's to hand great, on. Great note. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Likewise. Thank right. you for watching. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.